Welcome to the podcast of Bethel Mennonite Church in Gladys, Virginia. Today's message was originally preached September the 11th, 2011 by Sonny Yoder and is entitled, Be Ye Doers of the Word. Happy to be with you all today. God bless you all. Uh, the text I've chosen to share from this morning is James 1. The last half of the chapter, I uh, feel a bit sorry for Jeff and his cousin this morning. They'll hear the same sermon they heard last Sunday. (laughs) My wife said it's okay. She said she was uh, distracted last Sunday by her father's sickness and wondering if we should go. So she said she wants it again. But I hope this scripture is a blessing to us all. I get kind of excited when a song, the song we sang, certainly is complimentary to the, the scripture, and also Gerald's devotions, uh, uh, I'll be referring, Jesus said that those that hear the word of God and do it are like those that build on a good foundation, and though the storms of life come, their house will stand, and uh, actually we'll refer to that scripture, and this kind of a theme of this uh this text in James is that we should be doers of the word and not hearers only. So I'll be reading from verse 16, and uh, I'd like for you to meditate on the scriptures I read and look for recurring words or phrases or thoughts, and there's, uh, like one would be the word of God, Uh, notice how often that appears in this scripture. And um, also, my beloved brethren is repeated twice, I think. And three different times, there's, uh, it talks about deception. Do not err, my brethren, or don't be deceived, my brethren. And tw- two more times, it talks about deception. So these are some of the, uh, I remember, remember when Richie Lauer was here to teach us how to study the Word of God, that's one thing he taught us, is to look for recurring words and uh, uh, to help understand what the Scripture's about. So I invite you to watch for those uh, things as I read. James 1, uh, beginning at verse 16. Do not err or do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift And every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, He is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. 
But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and I think this uh, would be almost like, like saying looking into the word of God, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the, of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deeds. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Poor religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now I'll make a few introductory comments before I start, uh, before we look at the verses. The book of James is written, uh, Bible scholars think, by uh, the brother of Jesus, uh, Jesus' next younger brother, and he, was, he came to be a greatly respected leader in Jerusalem, called the Bishop of the Church. He was also called James the Just. And uh, in the, I think it's the first verse of this letter, it says that he is, he's, he's writing to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Uh, James's congregation was scattered... <laughs> Some still lived in Jerusalem, but others were scattered into surrounding cities because of the, the persecution. Many, many of those who, who were writing to were likely poor and experiencing trials and hard times. And so this, this letter is written from a pastor, and you can see it as he, uh, twice in the scripture I read, he says, My beloved brethren, and I think maybe half a dozen times in the book he addresses those he's writing to with that kind of affection. And uh, it's obvious that a major concern of Pastor James is that he doesn't want his parishioners to be deceived. Three times he talks about deception in this scripture, and other, other times he talks about worldliness in the letter. He talks about worldliness, and he's concerned about the world, worldliness and the worldly worldly wisdom in one place, the worldly thinking and ways that some of the Christians evidently were uh, being tempted with. He, he realized we live in a dangerous world and we can come contaminated with this world's faulty views and values and lose the firm conviction of what's really real about God and what's really what is really true. A major deception that he, he wrote about in this passage is that a person, uh, that a person, this this is deception, that a person can be a hearer of the word and not be a doer of the word. Only be a hearer and still be a Christian. That's, that's wrong. That is a deception. Now to state this deception in several ways, it is deception to think that barren wooden theology is enough. It is deception that that to believe each external religions like things like going to church and reading the Bible and even prayers and fastings, that uh, kind of a, the rituals of religion are what e equals a relationship with God. That's a deception. Another way to say this is, is it's, it is deception to believe that mental assent to the truth 
without obeying and living the truth is acceptable to God. Like, here would be an example. To say that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, uh, crucified and resurrected, believe those truths that makes me a Christian. The, The fallen angels believe that and tremble, but they're not saved. True faith is is believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he he was crucified and that he rose from the dead. But this faith includes loving Jesus, committing to live for him in obedience to all his teachings. All his teaching. Our text today says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Very interesting, I read uh, this was an interview in the paper, paper just a couple weeks ago that the, the uh, uh, campus pastor at Liberty University was interviewed and he challenged the students and he said, I wonder what would happen if 5,000 Christians in Lynchburg, Virginia would really live what they claim to believe. I guess he was saying that this really is a problem that that sometimes Christians don't really live, or too often Christians really don't live what they believe. So it, it is a deception to believe that you can be a Christian and just hear the word but not obey Jesus Christ. Do not err, beloved brethren. Do not be deceived. Let's begin at verse 16. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Then it goes goes on to say that our Heavenly Father is the Father of lights. He he created all light, but unlike his creation, which changes and has light comes and goes and there's shadows, unlike his creation, God God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And he's he's unchanging and he's unchangeable. And uh, actually, we kind of broke into a thought here uh, earlier, James was writing about temptations and trials, and he, he says that that trials trials are sent to us from God to to test our faith to see if it's really true, and also to so that our faith will grow as we go through the trials, trusting Him. But that, but he also makes a point that uh, let no let no man say that God tempts anyone to evil. And this, this verse says that, that, that God is light, he's perfect, he's good, uh, he's holy, and he only gives his children good gifts. Uh, some, some years ago, I remember a book that was published, don't remember the author, don't remember the title, but, but in, the book suggested that we need to, that there's a need to forgive God for the bad and difficult things that happen to us in life. And uh, I look back at it and say, I think that is heresy. I think so. (laughs) Because God, though he allows and ordains trials and testings, God God does not tempt to evil. He doesn't tempt people to sin. And his, his gifts to us are only, he, he is only good. God is good through and through, and he only sends good and perfect gifts to his children. Now, that, 
doesn't say everything about trials, but that's what this verse says. That every good and perfect gift come from our Heavenly Father. And then it goes on to say that his very best gift to us is the new birth. Verse 18, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we would be the first fruits of his creatures. The very best gift God has given us is salvation through Jesus Christ. And what, what instrument did he use to bring us to uh, faith in Jesus? It was the word of truth. truth and that has to be talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ okay I'm backing up just a little bit my my dear folks my beloved brothers and sisters don't be deceived God is benevolent in character he is he only gives good and perfect gifts he only intends good for his children it is his nature to love, bless, and give gifts of grace to the undeserving. And here in verse 18, we see that his highest and best gift to us is the new birth. Of his own will, he begat us with the word of truth. What an, what an amazing, wonderful gift. And I thought about it in the, the Sunday school lesson this morning. We, we talked about the great change that, that came upon Adam and Eve, and that was Adam passed that down to us uh, because of his sin, that the sin principle came to live in the hearts of men and women, even we, even children, we see that, see that early, and uh, separated from God, distant from God, enemies of God because of sin, and the, the inner compulsion is to, stronger than to do good is to do what's wrong. But God offers us this gift, that of, the, of regeneration or the new birth, to, to, to restore us back into relationship with him and also to we give us a new heart. Here's a definition of the new birth from the pulpit commentary. The new birth or regeneration is the creation, recreation of the soul after the divine image. It involves a new heart, a new self, a new character, and a new life. A new birth is a great change in the life of a person. The old self-centeredness, selfishness dethroned in the inner chamber of our heart, wherever we make our decision in our soul, decisions in our soul, replaced with the Holy Spirit. With uh, now the compulsion is to be loving and caring and unselfish. What a great change! What a wonderful gift we have this new birth that was come, came to us by the word of truth. He begat us with the word of truth. This, this must be the gospel of Jesus Christ. Replant, repent and believe on Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins and salvation and receive the new birth. How many have been born again by reading the, uh, of the gospel of Christ? How many have been born again by the preaching of the word of truth? Praise God for the word of truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ that brought us, brings us 
the new birth. Praise be to our Heavenly Father who has taken the gracious initiative. He, he wanted us, he has chosen us to be his children. And then verses 19 and 20. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not work right living. First, I thought this, this, these two verses were, weren't really connected to the surrounding verses. Love to hear your thoughts of how you think they connect with the other verses. But here's what the thread, the, um, the thoughts that I have uh, concluded that it may mean that these, well, it's good teaching. Just if you take the verses just by themselves, we should be ones that listen well and speak thoughtfully. I'm talking about our relationships and do nothing in anger. But I think maybe there's a connection with these other verses. Uh, may, it may be these, these two verses are connected with this thread or theme of the word of God being hearers of the word and doers of the word. I'd like to suggest that we have several directives of here of how to really receive and obey the word of God. We should be swift to hear the word of truth, taking every opportunity to hear it taught, be, be eager to read it ourselves, attentive and teachable, eager to hear the word of God, swift to hear. We should be more eager to listen than fond of hearing ourselves speak. We should be swift to hear, eager to hear, attentive to the word of God. We also should be slow to speak, uh, meaning we should be thoughtful and weigh our words carefully, uh, re realizing the impact of words uh, that words have. Doesn't mean we should be silent. The Bible says that we're to exhort one another day by day and we're, just, we're to speak the truth in love. But I think it's good to remember that listening and obeying the word should come before speaking the word. I read a quote by a Jewish rabbi, rabbi that wrote just after the time of Christ. And he said, not expounding, not the expounding of the law is the chief thing, but the doing of it. Uh, eager to hear, uh, careful and thoughtful when we speak the word of truth to others. And then also that we be slow to wrath when we share the word with others. When we speak the truth, we should speak the truth in love because when we speak in anger, we don't do right. The wrath of man doesn't work the righteousness of God. So when we speak the truth, or give warnings, it should be with gentleness, not angry, argumentative, or scolding. For anger does not work the righteousness of God. A preacher shouldn't be angry when he preaches. It's one thing to, to speak the word of God with passion, moved by the Spirit. Quite another thing to, to be angry. Swift to hear, thoughtful when we speak, and calm and gentle uh, when we share the word of truth with others. That's, that's a good way to receive. That's a good way to receive the word of God. And then in verse 21, if we're to really receive the word of God, 
We're to have a pure heart to receive the word of God. Wherefore, verse 21, in light of the fact, wherefore, meaning in light of the fact that we've been born again by the word of God, lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive the engrafted word of God. The NIV reads, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you that can save you. As Christians, we've been born again by the word of God. And part of the miracle of the new birth is that God puts the word right in our hearts and our minds. God said, I will give them a heart of flesh. I will put my law, I will put my law within them. I will write it upon their hearts. And even a, even a new Christian, you quickly see the evidences of the word of God in the heart when they show kindness and forgiveness and love by receiving the word in their hearts. And in an increasing way, God wants to, to put the word of God in our hearts and in our thoughts. But we must make room for it, getting rid of all moral, moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. How we need to confess sinful attitudes and sin, sinful action and, and thoughts, if, if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's room for the word of God to take its rightful dominant place in our hearts. And I noticed in the commentaries I read about this verse that there's also the idea of humility here. Meekness is the way it says it here in the King James Version. Uh, realizing our great dependence on God and we're reaching out to receive the word of truth from him. To humbly accept the word of God as our authority and guide for life. Quoting the Tyndale commentary, the Christian must not think the word of God is done with him when it, is, when it has saved him. The word becomes a permanent and separable part of the Christian, a commanding and guiding presence within him. I think that's worth reading again. The Christian must not think the word of God is done with him when it has saved him. The word becomes a permanent, inseparable part of the Christian, a commanding and guiding presence within him. Praise God for the word of God. Cleanse the heart and make room for the word of God to enter in and to rule in our hearts. And then the directive to not merely hear the word of God and do nothing about it, but be hearers and doers of the word of God. I believe this is a deception in our day that to say that you can hear the word of truth, give mental assent to it, and uh, not, not really placing much priority on obeying the word. Hear the word of God and do it. I've said to preachers, thank you for the sermon. That was really good. Very interesting. I enjoyed it. But the real question is, what will I do with the word of God after I've heard it? Will it change my heart? Will, will I obey it? Will I practice it? And then Pastor Apostle James gives the mirror illustration 
So the man who listens to the word and, and doesn't practice it is like the man who glances at the mirror and quickly goes his way forgetting what he looks like and makes no changes. At the supper table, I'm one that needs to look at a mirror more often. I, um, supper table the other week, uh, one of my sons said, was working with me that day, he, laughed, he said, I had to laugh at you today, Dad. I'd been out you know, under silage trucks and back out again, and dusty, hot day. My, and he said, my hair was standing up on end, needed a haircut too. And he said, I looked like a wild man. <laughs> And uh, should have looked in the mirror and taken a little time to, to look better. We should be like verse 25 says, the man who looks intently into the perfect law of liturgy, that has to be the truth of the teachings of Jesus Christ, the, the Sermon on the Mount, the, all the teaching of the New Testament, the Old Testament moral law, all those things. Anyone who looks intently at the perfect law, that perfect that law that gives liberty, freedom from sin, and obeys it, uh, and continues to obey it, will be changed significantly, maybe drastically, we will be changed, drastically, can I say that word, in a drastic way will be changed for the better. We'll be changed to become like Jesus Christ. This man, verse 22, will be blessed in his deeds. This man will be, be blessed in all, he's, all he does. And that's when I thought about the scripture that Gerald uh, read. Jesus' very own words, he said, the man that hears the word of God and does not practice my teaching, hears my word and doesn't practice it, is like the man who builds his house on the sand, his life will come to ruin. But the man who hears the word of God and puts it to practice in his life, is, is like the man who built his house on a solid rock. And though the storms come, this man will stand firm and his life will produce good. Blessed are ye, Jesus said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and do it. And this scripture says the very same thing. This man, the man who looks intently into the word of God and uh, changes his life by the spirit of God, will be blessed in all his deeds. What a promise. This chapter then closes with a few practical examples about what hearing the word of God and practicing it is. If a man considers himself to be religious and doesn't bridle his tongue, he is deceiving himself. His religion is not real. The word of God commands speech of kindness, gentleness, compassion, forgiveness, encouragement, exhortation. If a, a person does not obey the word of God in his speech and he doesn't bridle his tongue, if he lashes out in anger, malice, railing, gossip, lying, slander, his religion is vain. He is a hearer and not a doer. He's not a not really a true Christian. We must be hearers of the word of God and do it. True religion, verse, 30, verse 27 says, 
The true religion that God accepts is a religion that looks after the orphans and the widows and their needs and keeps oneself unspotted from the world. Another example of hearing the word of God and doing it. Hearing the word, doing the word of God includes caring for the, these are examples of doing the word of God, caring for the distressed and poor, the orphans and widows, those are the ones that says, things it says specifically. This would all, could also include uh, caring for those who suffer hunger in third world countries. I read of uh, a CAM flyer this morning that said of the great, uh, I think it was Somalia, some of the African countries where there's, there's been drought and there's starvation and people great need of food. So that's part of our work as true Christian people, hearing the word of God and doing it. Or maybe it's the, the, the ones in the inner city or the un, unemployed or the homeless or the underprivileged or those who have no one to speak for themselves. Those are That's what true, true religion is, those that care for those who have need. True religion does include going to church and reading the Bible and prayers and fasting, but if that's all it is, uh, if it doesn't reach out to neighbor in need, then it's it's uh, not really true Christianity. True religion works itself out in caring for the needs of others. Moral purity is also a hallmark of true religion. This is also in verse, the last verse, 27. To keep oneself unspotted from the world means avoiding thinking and acting in accordance with the value system of Satan's world. There's so much around us that's unchristian. And uh, we do live in a sinful world. Jesus sends us out into this world. And there's a danger of, of of being tainted by evil thought and the evil system. We need to be people that that look intently into the word of God, listen carefully, uh, receive it humbly and eagerly, and then obey it continually. That's the only way we'll, we'll remain untainted by the sinful world in the sinful system. I'll summarize these thoughts. God is so good. He's completely good. He's, he is light. There's no, he has, in him is no darkness at all. He has taken gracious, and gracious initiative to choose us to be his children. And we should respond with grateful faith, love, and obedience. Our Heavenly Father causes us to be born again by the word of truth. We then should be swift to hear that word and thoughtful when we speak it and calm and gentle when we share the truth and do it without anger. God helping us, we must cleanse our hearts to make of sin and sinful thoughts and sinful attitudes, cleanse our by the grace of God, by the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, by the washing of the water through the word, to make room for the word of God. 
God wants to put his word. He did it at the new birth. And in an increasing way, he wants to place the word of God in our hearts and in our, in our thoughts. And uh, eagerly, attentively, intentionally receive the word of God. Choosing it and allowing it to be our authority and our guide for living. We must be both hearers and doers of the word. The word to us be like a mirror, eagerly, attentively, letting it examine our soul and our lives and then going out and living the word of God in practical life. And following these examples, it gives here to, to, to bridle our tongue, to care for those in need and live a pure life in a sinful world. Thank God for the word of God. Let us not be deceived. We must love uh, Jesus Christ. We must have faith in Jesus Christ. And we must obey him. The Holy Spirit helping us. God bless you all. We'll have a song and then I'll ask Gerald to close. You've been listening to Be Ye Doers of the Word, a message by Sonny Yoder. This podcast is brought to you from the Bethel Mennonite Church in Gladys, Virginia. Thanks for listening.